You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit inspiresleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 90 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Ramping Crew patron supporters. Thank you. My special guest needs no introduction, but do it anyways, because everyone's going to be really excited to hear you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Becca. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> And Patreon members just heard you because you and I just recorded our bonus Ever After episode, Woo-hoo. but nobody else has heard from you since summer, I think. Oh my goodness. Wow. So do you want to catch everybody up and tell everybody what you've been up to? Um, wow. Um, it's a long time, right? Yeah. Um, working from home with a couple of now three-year-old monsters in our 240 square foot camper um (laughs) fun and adventure um I actually kind of like being able I I very much like being able to be with the kids all the time um but it definitely has challenges today was a very hard day um for everybody um but mostly it's been good and um gosh Everybody in my extended family has been sick. We have had a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of really hard stuff this past year. Um, lots of dying and and all of that. So um, things have been things have been tough. Things have been really tough for you guys this year. Yeah, man, my mom lost two of her sisters. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I know we explained on the Patreon that that had a lot to do with why you didn't have time for the podcast anymore. Do you want to tell the rest of our listeners why you don't do the podcast anymore regularly? Um, just too much. It takes up so much more time than I think people realize, even when you're just like recording. It does. And, you know, it. It really, last night, I was up until about 10.30 just trying to find my chapter titles for this week. <laughs> You're so cute. <laughs> and, well, and I had known, you know, that these were my chapters. I mean, we had scheduled this months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had read the chapters, you know, and I knew that this was coming and all of that. But I got very snappy with Jerry last night. Oh. 
And I told him, I said, honey, if as much as I love doing the podcast and as much as I love like the hour or two that I'm able to sit down and record it with Bethany or Bethany and Ashley, if it was always like this when I was doing the prep work for it, I am so sorry. (laughs) And it's probably good that I, you know, finally admitted that I can't. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's a lot more than you think. Um, Yeah, so, oh my gosh. It was really hard times. Like, I mean, honestly, it's been hard times for us for a while. Um, Because I had to drop out of being able to record with you all the time before this whole quarantine thing. Uh, Yeah, we thought it was going to be just for a little while. And then when COVID hit, it was like, well, definitely not going to have the time now. Yeah, yeah. So Jerry and I were having a hard time. Um, We were both under a lot of stress. And that was when I was like, yeah, I need to kind of take a break, you know, from from the pod. Um, And then it wasn't maybe a week or two later that the world shut down. Jerry's mom died. My aunt died the same day. My 25-year-old cousin, who was that aunt's daughter, um, died five days after that. Um, and along, like around the same time, I had a few other family members that were diagnosed with COVID. Um, and then... It was within two or three weeks of the first round of three deaths that Jerry was hospitalized. I'm like trying to remember all of this because it's so ridiculous and so much has just happened. It's been a, um, it's been a lot for you guys. It's been like, um, what is that? Is it Murphy's Law? If, if something can go wrong, it will. It will go wrong and will go wrong again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jerry was hospitalized. He had with lung issues. Um, now this was early to mid April, um, by this point. And I don't know how it was where all of the listeners live, but here where I live, we did not yet have reliable tests. So Jerry did not ever have a positive COVID test. Um, but if you're hospitalized in mid-April of 2020 with terrible pneumonia that will not clear up, I mean, come on, what is it? You know? Right. Um, so I got to do the lovely, you know, drive up to the hospital and not go in with him and workers in spacesuits meeting him at the car and you know, assuming I'm just never going to see him again, um, kind of thing. So that was great. Um, he was hospitalized over Easter, um, which like, this is like the first Easter, you know, that the kids really knew what was going on. So that was rough. Um, it's hard for them, you know, like they're old enough to understand, but they're not old enough to understand. They're old enough that you have to explain it to them, but that doesn't mean that they grasp what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that and then, um, gosh. Um, And of course, all this time, 
you know, we're still waiting for financial things to improve um, because, of course, Jerry had not been able to work for quite some time. Um, and we had applied for Social Security Disability at the beginning of 2020. So we, we were waiting for that to be approved all this time. Um, oh, and actually, I'm trying to think if this was before or after. At some point, he had had rotator cuff surgery. I think that was after because it was after I had surgery. We talked about. Okay. Because he and I, over the summer when you and I did an episode, he bounced in and he and I were talking about our different surgeries. Remember, you were like okay. in the truck and he like drove by, not drove by, uh-huh. he, like, he like walked by. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he had rotator cuff surgery the day before or the day of getting out of the sling for his shoulder surgery, he sliced open the first knuckle on his right pointer finger and cut through the two tendons. Um, so that was, of course, slow to heal and lots of surgeries. Didn't he also break his leg this year? <laughs> well, so no, he didn't actually break his leg. Oh, um, okay. okay. Yeah. So while his finger was still healing, I think he had just finished physical therapy on his finger or something. Like they gave up because they decided he wasn't going to get any movement back in it anymore. Like he was maximally approved, improved. Um, he, <laughs> um, dropped a shed on himself. Yeah. So, and this is a ridiculous story that like, if I didn't have pictures of exactly what happened, um, nobody would probably believe it, but this tough shed, it's like a 10 by eight foot shed. It was up in the air, a couple feet on like Jenga stacks of wood. Jenga stacks of wood. <laughs> the image of that is amusing. I'm sorry. I know it probably doesn't feel like I got that, pictures. But... I can show you how janky this thing was. Like, maybe you was... should send them to me and I can share them on uh, Instagram oh, for everybody. Okay. Yeah, I will do that. Um, yeah, because it's ridiculous. Um, and I knew <laughs> that this was a problem. Obviously, I had been worried um, about this stupid thing falling and hurting someone for months and months and months. Um, the foundation of the shed, it was like these metal beams, like steel I-beams or whatever. Um, and they were all messed up because this dude with like a forklift tried to put it on a trailer for us to get. And we got this shed secondhand dirt cheap, you know, so these things happen. Anyway, this kid that like had loaded it for us, screwed it all up, broke through the floor and bent a bunch of these beans and so jerry was trying to remove them and we're just gonna build like out of lumber just build you know a new base for it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so he is despite my objections under this shed which is on four Jenga stacks of two by fours cut, you know, and stacked. And he has a little mini sledgehammer 
and is trying to remove one of the broken beams. So oh the shed fell because dog. Oh. And he, again, cheated death. He is very lucky to be alive. Um, the way that it fell, it crushed his leg. Oh. If he had been facing the other direction, it would have crushed his skull. It's, it was terrifying. Um, I'm still very, very upset <laughs> that this happened. Um, luckily, um, he had enough air in his lungs at the time that it fell that he was able to tell me, like, first he said, call 911. And then he said, no, get the jack. And I'm thinking, like, okay, so he thinks that 911 doesn't need to be called because 911's getting called. I don't care what he says. And then he's like, no, you need to get the jack and jack this up off of me. Then call 911. <laughs> because he was running out of oxygen the way that it was. It was crushing his chest some as well. It, the most of, like, the brunt of it was on his, his thigh. But it was also, he had some bruised ribs and fun stuff like that. So... Yeah, um, so the internal thigh injury um, was pretty severe, but nothing was actually broken. But the way that his leg was crushed and then the swelling that happened and like the blood clot stuff that happened, um, was a big issue still is a big issue actually he's still healing it's the wound is barely closed it's really only been almost completely closed for like a week or two at this point um but he he the ambulance took him to the emergency room and they checked him out and then, like, the daytime doctors and the nighttime doctors didn't really talk to each other properly. And the ER, of course, you know, it's COVID. So the hospital's overrun. Everybody's overworked. They had no rooms. He got parked in, like, the corner of one of the observation rooms and basically forgotten about. So, Aww. yeah, it was really bad. Um, so instead of just, you know, check into the ER you know, do the scan, see, okay, this is starting to swell. We should probably like poke a hole in it so it can drain. You know, instead of that, it was, they did nothing. And it got to the point where there was a hematoma the size of a basketball on his thigh. And so then when the next shift of doctors came in and found out that nobody had seen him for an entire day and what needed to be done had not been done. And now we have this really bad thing going on. Um, they rushed him into the OR and drained it. And we have been fighting infections and trying to recover. And yeah, <laughs> it's been hard. Oh it's been a rough year for you guys. Oh, it's I know everybody listening who's always like, how come Becca left the podcast? Listen to everything <laughs> she just explained. 
And then imagine on top of that, trying to take notes and read chapters and come up with titles and quotes and schedule recordings around my schedule and her schedule and the schedule of two twins and the schedule of a husband who's a little bit accident prone. Like, it's very difficult. With all of his accidents and surgeries and and just everything, um, yeah, it's it's been tough. Um, It's hard to kind of know what's gonna be on the agenda and I can't so much depend on help from anyone you know I mean it's COVID so yeah you know I can't just you know do whatever call a babysitter or whatever um so yeah so that's uh that's a thing and uh luckily a few good things have happened we got his disability approved um, mm-hmm, which is great. So <laughs> that is a huge, huge relief. Um, so that is great. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, I was able to actually go to Indiana for a minute um, with my mom and the boys. We went for my aunt and cousin's memorial. Um, so it was good to kind of see some people there for a minute. Um, I was able to see my other aunt, um, and because she then died like two weeks later, um, from cancer, which at the time that we saw her wasn't even diagnosed. So it was like a real quick kind of thing. Um, but we were at least able to see her for a minute and, um, so that was nice. And gosh, what else? I don't know. Um, oh, my audiobook just started playing. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is, it, what is, is it playing, Cress? Yeah, yeah. That was the little Rebecca Solaire. Um, oh, just so cute. Yeah, I know that I just got done with the survey and hmm. everybody was very polite for the most part and said a lot of nice things and pretty much the the main thing was just like hey do like I think because people don't always know what happens and in the world like there's so much drama in the world that like if a podcast person disappears they just assume that like everybody hates each other now and it's like and I'm like it's so not like that you guys it literally has to do with like time and schedules and I'll get people every once in a while and they're like so did you guys have like a falling out and I'm like no I still message these people on like a weekly basis (laughs) like there's no there's none of that whatsoever Ashley just sent me a voice recording like what two weeks ago because I was having a bad day like (laughs) it's just things can be very difficult and we're trying to balance not just the schedule of a a working mom with twins but my schedule Mm -hmm. with job and full-time student and all that Ashley's Mm -hmm. in the military and now she's deployed so even if I wanted to record with her that's not gonna happen you guys exactly Um, yeah yeah So I just know I get that question a lot. And I was like, well, while she's here, I will let her answer. I don't, I don't, I hate speaking for other people, you know? Yeah. I just sent you those pictures. Did you? Where's my phone? I've got one. I emailed. I've got one of, there's this, and pardon the mess in the background, but I've got one of (laughs) Jerry under the shed and you can see one Jenga stack 
And then you can also see, if you look to the right, you can see that it was also jacked up, but the jack wasn't tall enough. Oh, good so golly. There are some four by fours on top of the jack <laughs> to get it up even higher. That then, is terrifying. Uh-huh. And then the second picture is, of course, the paramedics um, pulling him out. And you can see how it, thankfully, only partially collapsed. Um, it was oh only God. just the one one side completely collapsed and the other side only lost a few few boards. So That is so scary. Uh, terrifying, yeah. Oh, God. Poor yeah. Jerry. Yeah. So. Well, hopefully he's doing better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, he is. He really is. Um, Although, I will say, mine are almost always from, like, a seizure. So I get to have a really good excuse, question mark. Uh, yes, seizure disorder, not your fault. Yeah. But yeah. I also, like... I don't have any explanation sometimes for how I get injuries. <laughs> like, the other day, I guess it was probably more than it was probably a week ago now. I had a seizure and I didn't realize it. Oh, um, you don't you don't like if anybody's ever passed out before. It's kind of mm-hmm. a similar thing. You know, there's like a vague recollection of I was doing something and now I'm on the floor. But that's about it. Right. Um, but I woke up on the floor in the hallway and Scamp was like screaming. Oh. Um, trying to get Quentin's attention. Cause that's Scamp's job. He's my seizure dog. It's his job to get help. Right. <laughs> Basically. Uh I had I have no idea what happened. I I have bruises and there's a there was a giant like nog on the head. Um oh. I was in the hallway, so I assume when I fell down, I like smacked my head on something probably the tile knowing my luck mm-hmm. um but yeah I think I think Jerry might actually be more accident prone than I am yeah I mean there's a reason why we have our own personal care coordinator at the insurance company because <laughs> they like, know you call so much <laughs> yeah um yeah we talk to Megan like weekly <laughs> um yeah, like he he call, I mean she just knows his voice on the phone. Like there's no like hey this is Jerry Baker. It's like, "Hey Megan." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know. Like, "Hey um, Megan, how's your day going? Haven't heard from you in a while." Yeah. You know. <sighs> yeah. Well, I just want to say that I'm glad you're here. I am too. Even just this recording for all of our lovely listeners who always want behind the scenes. This is a a, a rescheduling already. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. Oh my Ooh, god. No, it's fine. I'm not in school right now, so I make things work. <sighs> yeah. And I have to reschedule on people all the time. I was feeling very under the weather uh last week after my seizure. I was like just for lack of a better word, exhausted. I was having trouble staying awake. Mm-hmm. Um my headache, I was going in and out of headaches, in and out of migraines, I was having trouble mm-hmm. keeping food down. I was just like, I cannot possibly record like this. Like it's not gonna be good content if I try and talk while being in this this state, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had to reschedule like a bunch of bonus episodes that I was planning on doing. Oh, bummer. Uh, 
But those of you on Patreon, please look forward to April um, because I did convince the husband to do a bonus episode with me um, on his favorite Disney movie, which is Wally. Nice. Yes. Should we talk about some lovely fan art? Oh my goodness, can we? I love this first one so much. I love it. So this is from January 22nd. It's from Doodling Asparagus. <laughs> which, okay, I love that name. I have been saving this fan art. I checked how long it's been on my, like, saved list mm-hmm. since October. Oh my goodness. I found it and I was like, I have to use this. And then I was like, when am I going to use this? Right. <laughs> She shared this October 19th, and I grabbed it, like, immediately. Like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, can I please share this? Okay, thanks. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. I love it. We have Ico. We have both Icos, right? I love it. We have the original Ico <sighs> with her her beautiful pearls yeah. and her drawn-on smudgy face and her awkward egg-shaped body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the Aiko that we get in this chapter with her beautiful braids and her lovely dark skin mm-hmm. um, and her human body, which I'm so excited about. Yes. Uh, and she has like dimples and... And blue eyebrows. Yes! And that's her blue nice. braids, which I love. That's <laughs> such a nice touch. Uh, I adore this i love her earrings i love just i love the sweater that she's wearing i love everything about it i love that it's like an off the shoulder sweater because that's yes. so I know. it's kind of sassy yeah i it's just it's perfect so a big thank you to doodling asparagus for letting me share that and for letting me hold on to it for forever <laughs> and the next one is of cinder yes and this is from Low Rose Art on Instagram. This is so interesting. It is a like diagram of her cyborg hand and her cyborg leg. Yeah. With like little sketches almost of like design patterns, I guess. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is so rad. I stars. I was looking at this for like 10 minutes trying to absorb every tiny little detail. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Okay, because the hand has like a serial number on it like right okay like yeah and um like where it meets her wrist and where the leg meets her thigh like you can tell that her skin is like it's like scar tissue yes yeah I love it it's I love it and for those of you who do have access to our to Instagram, I should say the, like just Instagram, not mine. Um, she has several of these for multiple characters. So Ooh, okay, go and take a look at it. The artist's name is Lorna Wood, and she has several of these. She has one for Lavana. She has one for Iko, Winter, Jacin, Scarlet, Cress. She has a bunch of them. This was the one I chose to share at the moment, but that doesn't mean I won't share more in the future. Yeah, I frequently revisit artists. So nice. There might still be more in the future, but I was just so excited to share this. That's awesome. I love it. Let me grab a blanket real quick. It's chilly in my room. I am freezing. <laughs> Quentin got me another electric blanket. Ooh. Um, now I have one on each side of the house. Very nice. Yeah. And I know that as soon as my sisters get here, so my sisters are coming tomorrow. Um, they're going to be stealing my electric blankets because this is a family <laughs> thing. We all like to do this. 
Um, so yeah, go check out, <laughs> go check out Instagram for more artwork. Last week, Patreon members voted on chapter titles. Chapter 43 is Are You With Me by 6am, which I'm also really excited about. Another thing I had been, had in my holster for a really long time. Because I read stuff like in advance, like just in case anybody wants to know. Right now we're covering chapter 44. I have already taken, written, and typed up the notes for the rest of the book, which means I already know all my chapter titles. So I have to sit with them for months and months and months and months and just wait. Wow. You know, it's a lot of waiting. Yeah. Well, I try to do as much as I can, like in between semesters. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just, well, I mean, take Taking six grad school classes at a time, you guys, um, there's a reason I developed an anxiety disorder this last couple semesters. Like it is just, you realize how much time it takes out of me. That is 50% more classes than normal, right? Yes. Yeah. They recommend two to three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, this is going to be the only way I can graduate in time. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because I'm doing a licensure, a specialty certificate program, um, and the master's degree. So I guess if I just picked one, I probably could get it done sooner, but, um, it's, it's just easier to get it done and out of the way now so that when we move and I get a job, I'm not trying to work a new job career wise and finish my degrees. Right. Although right now there's discussion of maybe I should go and get a doctorate someday personally, I don't think I want to. <laughs> this master's yeah. degree is hard enough. <laughs> but I know that a couple of my professors have been like, you're going to get your, your doctorate degree next, right? And I was like, I'm just trying to get through this program right now. Well, I would think too, though. I mean, it, you could always decide to do that at any point in your life. Right? You know? I don't need to do it right now. I'm only 31. I have time. Yeah, there's no need to rush into that. And excuse me, you said license and certificate. So you're doing like a media specialist, like education type of thing? So or? that's what the licensure will be in. Yeah. Um, and then the certif- the certificate program is for youth programs and services nationally board certified. Mm, so okay. When I get done, I'll have my degree, I'll be nationally board certified, and hopefully I will have my educational licensure as well. Okay. And, but you are military. So do you know how that works with teaching? Basically, it's a teaching certificate, right? So how does that work when you move from state to state? Have you looked into much of that? It'll depend on where I move, but it's the same as any other job. You know, like my parents are nurses and Mm -hmm. when they lived in Illinois, they had to pass an exam. And when they moved to Florida, they were able to like transfer their license. Mm -hmm. But my bonus mom had to take another exam because she has a specialty in woundostomy. Mm-hmm. And my dad did not have to. He was able to just transfer his license from one state to the other. So it really just okay. depends on where we move to. Yeah, because definitely I know if I know for one thing, just from my days before I changed my major, um, if you happen to get stationed in Texas, in order to get your license to teach in Texas, you would have to take a Texas history course. <laughs> I know that much. Yeah, so some states are 
The National Board Certification Program that I'm going through will allow me to have um, a little bit of a leg up. However, it is for youth programs and services. It is not education-based. It's more like youth reader-based. Uh-huh. Whereas the education program is going to have a lot more to do with actual library media centers in a school. Right. Which I know some people think that like the school library is just a library in the school, but there's actually a lot more to it than that. Mm-hmm. School librarians play a very critical role in terms of like education. They help teachers, they help students, they help curriculum standards. They have, they have their own state qualifications and national qualifications that they have to make as well. And so the licensure program, it's really going to depend on where we get stationed. I'm basing my qualifications off of Colorado Okay. For several reasons. One, Colorado has one of the best library associations in the country. Hmm. Two, they treat their librarians very well, especially in education. And three, we're hoping we get stationed there. So I'm kind of trying to just manifest it that way. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So what towns in Colorado would be um, places where you might possibly be able to be stationed? Just Colorado Springs, pretty much. Okay. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, um, please do. That would be amazing because that is where my sister lives. <laughs> We've always wanted to live there. Yeah. We we made a joke that like watch will get sent back to Nebraska since we sold our house. I'd be okay with that as well. That would be even would better. Be okay I definitely miss my nieces and my friends and, and everything, but I would still prefer Colorado. There's yeah. also some talk right now of Maryland because there's a need for a master tech and Quentin will hopefully be a master tech before we move. So mm-hmm. Maryland would also be fine. Mm-hmm. I like Maryland. There's a lot, again, a lot of career opportunities for me there. DC is one of them, which both of us are trying very hard to avoid. DC is not an area I want to live in. Sorry for anyone who lives there and they're listening. This week aside, I've never had the desire to live in DC. It has all kinds of issues. It just does. The traffic alone. I just I know, right? Quentin had to go there for like two weeks once and he was like, the traffic alone would make me never want to live here. Same with like yeah. San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City. Like yeah. I don't want to live anywhere with that kind of traffic. I very much enjoy small town feels of places. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere where you can live without actually having to own a car because cabs and buses and subways exist. I don't want to live there. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Although that being said, if the opportunity arose (laughs) to live in London, I probably would not complain. Oh, no, I would never complain about London. I would retire my really bad American British accent and never use it. But... (laughs) I would not complain in the slightest. I love London. There was the chance of Germany, but as soon as Quentin looked into how to get like dogs overseas, he was like, yeah, we're not doing that. Oh, I didn't think about that. Well, we're definitely not giving up the dogs and I can be paranoid. So my friend Matt was stationed in Germany and they definitely took their dog. Oh, you can definitely take your dogs. Okay. It's It's a hassle and it's dangerous. Okay, okay. Anytime you put a dog on a plane, it's dangerous. Uh-huh. But Beowulf has severe anxiety. I think I've mentioned before that, that Beowulf is autistic. He has a severe anxiety. Like, you can't even turn the oven on without him hiding under a desk. Oh. 
So the idea of putting him anywhere near an airplane just gives me so much anxiety. Yeah. And it's not like he can sit next to me. You don't really get to pull that card with dogs. So um, I, Scamp, I could make the argument they comply with me because he's my seizure dog. But like, no one is going to meet Beowulf and think he's capable of any kind of aid. Sorry. <laughs> I love him. But he's, I can't pass him off as anything other than Beowulf. So right. <laughs> but all the effort that has to go into getting them over there is very difficult and dangerous. And mm-hmm. the military does not pay for it. We would have to pay for it. So, oh, wow. You know, I was like, Germany would be cool. You're right. But also, I will have just gotten all of my schooling done. And then we would go to Germany where I would have very difficult time getting a job (laughs) because I do not speak German. So Uh, yeah, that would be (laughs) tough. Although I'd be really close to Romania, which of course I've always wanted to go. So yeah, yeah. I can hang out. If if I did get to go, I would totally like in a non-stalkerish way show up to Patreon Andrea's house and say hi. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Because she's in Romania. <laughs> yes. Uh, that would be cool. So before your husband gets mad about me stealing all of your time and monopolizing your day, should we talk <laughs> about some chapters? Oh my goodness. I suppose we should. We we tried to start talking about the chapter and then I guess we didn't. We, we got sidetracked. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Cinder's point of view here in chapter 44 and it is Kai's wedding day. Yes, last week we left off with the crew preparing to kidnap Emperor Kai. Pretty much Aiko was the only one that was like, hell yeah, let's do this. Everybody else was like, kidnapping the Emperor sounds really sketch. Do we have another idea? (laughs) Cinder is overwhelmed with nerves, but she feels a strange sense of calm because by the end of this day, they're either going to succeed or not. And that is comforting. That is, yeah, that always is just getting something over with in that way. And no there matter is what. Of Harry Potter when yes. Ron and Hermione and Harry are trying to sneak into the ministry. Precisely, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. And for listeners, you know, it'll be a couple chapters before we find out if they were more or less successful than Ron, Harry, and Hermione, but... <laughs> Like, definitely these chapters, I got those vibes of them, like, trying to plan everything out and hoping it goes well and being like, well, we can't really plan anymore. We have to do it. Yep. Although I will say, Ron, Harry, and Hermione really should have planned more and had way more time, whereas the Rampian crew, they have a deadline, the wedding. They have to get it done by the wedding. So at least they have the excuse of, like, we only have this amount of time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they're headed to New Beijing. The sun just rose. It's real. So it's super early in the morning. Yeah. The sun had, I'm sorry, the sun didn't just rise. The sun had just showed itself over the frosted Siberian tundra. (laughs) You can't just say the sun rose because Marissa Meyer (laughs) doesn't just do that. No. And it's a beautiful imagery. It's a good thing to point it out. Um, there's seven people in this tiny pod shipment for five. And one of those people is Wolf. Oh yeah. He's a big dude. Right. But Cress is also supposed to be really tiny. So maybe like between the two of them, there are two average people. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Well, I mean, Wolf, like we're picturing like Jason Momoa, right? Like that's, that's Wolf. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I always pictured that. (laughs) Okay. We're picturing a very large person, you know? Yeah. 
they're hoping that the pod ship will blend in because there's all these other cars and mm-hmm. pod ships from all over the world because it's the wedding of the century. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to come. Yeah, of course. There's news of the Farafra Rebellion, mm-hmm. but they haven't mentioned any lunars. No, because they wouldn't want to admit that there are lunars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Also, <laughs> it's a really bad time to mention that there are lunars, considering the reaction Lavana has had to one lunar. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. With Lavana there, like within spitting distance, you don't, <laughs> you don't want her to know what's going on. Right. Yeah. So the city was on armed lockdown until everyone was questioned and charged. But the townspeople, they did as they said they would. As soon as everybody left, they gave up control. The reinforcements arrived. They were all taken as traitors. Mm -hmm. They would be lenient if anyone came forward with information. But no one has. Yeah. They're keeping their mouth shut. Which is awesome. I love it. Love it. Yes, they're the best. The determination. Again, in Harry Potter, everybody kept their mouth shut about Dumbledore's army except one person. Because it's very hard to keep a secret. There's that saying, if two can keep a secret, but only if one of them is dead. Yeah. There apparently is no Marietta Edgecombe in Farafra. No. Thank goodness for that. I agree. Yeah. They're waiting to be sent back to Luna, basically. The Lunars are going to get sent back to Luna to die, probably. Probably, yeah. They're driving through New Beijing, and she's overcome with homesickness. Yes. Before, she'd been too busy to realize she was homesick, and now they're headed downtown. It's almost autumn, but there's still a summer heat, and she's just reminded. Yeah. I get homesickness all the time because we're military and we move around, and I don't even necessarily have, like, a home homesickness Mm -hmm. because when I left home, my parents, my my mom lived somewhere else. My dad and my stepmom lived somewhere else. You know, they all lived in Illinois. And now my bonus mom lives with her dad in Florida. My birth mom just got remarried. So she lives with her husband in Arizona. I've never even been to their house or met her new husband because of COVID. So for me, like home, the concept of home is like different people, I think. Mm-hmm. With the exception of two places, my in-law's house, because it's been the same since before Quentin was born. Mm-hmm. So I have known it for half my life. Yeah. Which is a really long time when you're only 31 years old. Like yeah. I've known their house for half my life and it's always kind of felt like home to me. So I get a homesickness there. And then my Aunt Robin's house has been the same since before I was born and looks the same and smells the same. Mm-hmm. And I miss it all the time. But I got overwhelmed at Christmas with homesickness because I was video chatting my mom and my sisters. <sighs> And my mom was making Christmas donuts, which probably sounds really silly, but every year my mom would make Christmas donuts and peppermint coffee. And I wanted nothing more in the world at that moment than to have some Christmas donuts and peppermint coffee. That sounds wonderful. And it's like real donuts too. Like my mom didn't like go and buy a bag of donuts and be like, here, I made donuts. Like my mom (laughs) actually from scratch makes donuts and they're delicious. Wow. And I didn't get any. She doesn't just take a can of biscuits and fry them. She, like, makes donuts. Like dough and stuff, yeah. Wow. I know, right? That's wonderful. 
Although I have had fried biscuits as donuts and those things are f***ing bomb. So (laughs) (laughs) I used to work at Ruby Tuesdays and one of my managers would do that every Sunday for us. She would, she would make our biscuit donuts. Yeah. We did it in Girl Scouts. Um, camping like at camp one time which was nice um but for anybody who's never had them it's essentially like what they have on the chinese buffets when they have like the little super simple get a can of biscuits like just cold biscuits yep and turn them into circle shapes or roll them into balls and get some oil in a frying pan and toss it in it's really simple and then you can roll it in like sugar or you can melt powdered sugar if you want like glazed donuts like it's very tasty yeah, I always do just the granulated, just the sugar it when it's done. And do you have a sense of like homesickness that you oh, ever yeah, feel? Absolutely. Yeah, and I was yeah, I was just thinking like as you were talking, I was thinking like, man, there's like no houses left from when I was a kid, really. Yeah, I think it's just my R. Robin's house that's left. Everybody else has moved multiple times. Yeah, like. When the kids were first born was the last time I was at my grandma's house, my dad's mom's house. Um, now, she died when I was like 13 or 14. Um, but my aunt Nancy lives in that house now. And when I was back there, right after the kids were born, we went for my cousin's funeral. Um, and the kids were like two weeks old at the time. So this was three, over three years ago. And that house, like, they had remodeled a little bit um, when I was, like, high school age. Um, And that was fine. You know, it wasn't the same, but some of the rooms were the same. So I was kind of okay with it. But when I was back there three years ago, like, they had gotten a new dining room table. They had gotten rid of the pool table. Like, it was just everything was wrong. You know, like, I was just sad. It just wasn't it wasn't the same. And, you know, I know when aunt Nancy passes away, then that house is going to be gone and probably torn down. And then all the land will just be like developed into a stupid subdivision or something, you know, because that's what towns do. Yeah. Um, And that's sad. Well, and you know, and aunt Nancy's, gosh, she is well into her seventies. My three cousin my cousin's three children live with her and two of the three were diagnosed with covid like about two weeks ago oh my goodness you know so i just i worry about her a lot you know i would too yeah um so i know that it's inevitable that that house is not (laughs) going to be in the family you know forever i get kind of jealous of that aspect of quentin's life yeah Because, like, his parents have lived in that house since before he was born. That's amazing. Right? Like, they all live in the same house his whole life. And I'm like, oh, I don't have that. Like, the house I – like, we moved around a lot when I was growing up. But when we lived in Clinton, we lived in the same house from the time we got there until my parents got divorced when I was 15. Mm -hmm. So, five years. So, that was probably the longest I was in a house. Yeah. Even now, I think. Yeah, because Quentin and I moved three times when we were, or twice when we were in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. We lived in base housing the first three years, and then we bought a home for the last three years. Mm-hmm. So, like, the house that I essentially grew up in from the ages of 10 to 15, 
we stopped living there when my parents got divorced. And then mm-hmm. I didn't move into my dad and stepmom's house until I was 21, mm-hmm. shortly before I moved away after I got married. Yeah. And they sold that house that I lived in for like, I think I was only there for like a year. They sold that house five years ago and moved to Florida. And they're now in their third house in Florida. They rented a house, then they bought a house which they lived in for like two years and now they're in a new house. Well, their new house, they're remodeling. So I, every time I go there, it looks different basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom, after my parents got divorced, my mom kind of bounced around. She had an apartment and then she rented a house and then she moved to California and she had an apartment and then she rented a house and then she had a boyfriend and then they broke up. So she went back to a different apartment. Like, and now she's married to a different man and he lives in Arizona And they have a house together there that I've never even been to. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the only thing I can think of that hasn't changed in my whole life would be my Aunt Robin's house. And that's it. Everything else, people have moved. Yeah. To have the kind of stability in your life of like Quentin's parents having that house forever is just. Right? Yeah. And they haven't done like remodeling or bought furniture or anything. The (laughs) only thing that has changed in that house is they have a new oven. (laughs) That's awesome in like 16 years oh my <laughs> that's goodness. it I love that and I know they're currently remodeling Quentin's old bedroom into a guest room so we'll see what that looks like next time we go home but like when I talk about going home in quotations that's where I'm talking about I'm talking about my in-laws house in mm-hmm. the town that Quentin and I grew up in otherwise I usually say like my dad's my mom's my grandma Barb's like you know right. it's I just don't have that 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 connection to it yeah yeah, which is, I know it's kind of strange as an adult. As, thinking about it, Quentin and I have probably lived in like six different places since we got married. Wow. We lived in base housing. Then we bought a house in Nebraska. When we moved here, we had an apartment. Well, we were in TLF for the first like month, which is temporary living facilities. Then we got an apartment, which we hated. Then we rented a house and now we're in a different house. And then we're moving in a year. So yeah. we've been married eight years and we've lived in six different places. Yeah. And we're moving again in a year. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I guess I mean I am kind of I'm a little bit uh, yeah, like I'm kind of homeless right now, you know, I mean but the camper's the same, right? So it doesn't matter where we park it. Like right now the camper's home and it doesn't matter what's outside the window. Right. Um but I don't know. Yeah, there really is something about just having a physical home. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that I love about my relationship is that my relationship is like a home, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, especially if Quentin goes away for a long time, the military yeah. likes to do that to me. But like all of our furniture is the same and I usually have everything organized and laid out the same way because I'm boring. So usually like as soon as I get everything set up, it starts to feel like home again when we move. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's not boring. That's, I mean, part of that's being in a military family, but I, I don't know. There's like a whole thing in one of the little house on the prairie books about when they move into a new house and, you know, they put like Ma's China Shepherdess on the shelf where it goes. And, you know, that's the shelf where it goes, even though it's like in a different state, you know, territory, whatever. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 
So that's kind of how Cinder is feeling. This is home-ish. But she's been basically aboard the Rampion, right? For like a month? Yeah. Two months? I don't even know. I've lost track of actually (laughs) how long. Actually, I had a listener, Jenna Books 05, sent me a link of like a timeline for everything. Uh So the book started in August of... Like, August 28th, I think. hmm Right? Or was it August 18th? Yeah. One of the two. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, it was August 15th. Okay. And today it's supposed to be um, September 25th. Oh, my goodness. So it's been a month-ish. Cause she, so she left New Beijing to get arrested and on the run and stuff. Um, that was August 29th. So she's been on the Rampion for almost a month. That is, wow. That is so bonkers, right? Yeah. (laughs) In the book series, it's only been a month. Meanwhile, we're here a year and a half later, still (laughs) going chapter by chapter. Oh my goodness. It's like a soap opera in that way. Like (laughs) my mom used to watch Days of Our Lives. And so when I was in like kindergarten, as soon as Sesame Street was over, I would have to get up and change the channel because Days of Our Lives would come on. And I swear, when I saw that show again, when I was in junior high, I saw it at Audrey Kelling's house. And it was like, later that same day in Salem. <laughs> it was like <laughs> nothing that happened in like There's a joke. <laughs> There's a joke on this show called The Nanny. Yeah. There was one joke where they were like, aren't you going to miss something? And she was like, please, it's a soap opera. We'll be lucky if she's done boiling that pot of coffee by the end of the month. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been been about a month. So today in the book, it's September 25th. Aiko says to kick Audrey with her metal foot, which I love. I love love that Aiko is still like carrying around this burden of I hate Audrey on her back. I love it. Uh, not just kick her. Kick her with the metal foot. Right? She's oh, only got about 10 minutes. So she's glamored. She's got her head down. She's walking to her old apartment. She feels kind of strange being alone because she's been with her friends, her allies, for mm-hmm. weeks. She basically hasn't been alone at all in a month. Yeah. Do you remember the last time you were alone? Um, define alone alone like you don't have the kids and you don't have jerry okay um well yes but <laughs> um right at 1 30 today i put the kids in the in the truck and jerry took them to my mom's and then he went to physical therapy yeah so i think he's been back for a while i've heard some noises coming from outside um so i don't think i'm technically alone anymore um but yeah, it is very rare and it is very strange. So I'm alone a lot. Yeah. But I'm always with the dogs. Right. So if the dogs aren't here and I'm alone, it is the most peculiar feeling. It would be. Yeah. It's very strange. But I, I'm alone a lot because, well, my husband works first, right? But also mm-hmm. he's in the military. Mm-hmm. He does lead a lot. If he gets deployed right now. I'm going to be very sad because it's COVID. Yeah. So. 
yeah. <laughs> it's going to be just me and the dogs trying to get through school with no husband. Yeah. I, oh, man. And I wish I could be one of those women that's like, I'm so independent. I don't even notice my husband's gone. I'm not one of those people. Okay. I'm not. I like my husband. I talk to him a lot. I hang out with him a lot. If he's gone, I definitely notice. I, there have definitely been times and even within the past like 24 hours <laughs> where I have just wanted <laughs> for everybody to go away for a minute, right? But but only for a minute. Yeah, like just give me like, you know, a couple hours tops, you know, and I'm good. Right. Yeah. But also like a few days ago, I went to pick up our friend DJ from work and take him to his buddy's house. And so then driving home from running that errand, basically I was by myself again in the truck and that was weird. Yeah. It, you know, to have like, there's nobody kicking the back of my seat. <laughs> no, there's nobody screaming. There's no, you know, there's no blippy playing or whatever the heck it is. I just, it's very strange. It does feel strange. And that's kind of how she's feeling. She could have had someone come with her, right? But she felt like it was important to do this alone. Well, what is she doing? Well, she's going home to Audrey. Yeah. Cinder's coming home. She's going to try to trick Audrey into giving her the invitations that Audrey received for her and Pearl so that she can sneak into the ball or the wedding. Okay, and this is genius because they have to know that, like, these invitations are, you know, RFID chipped in some way or something, you know? Well, the whole thing is that they were paper, remember? Yeah. Aiko made a big deal about it being paper because she was, like, so classy. And I and Cinder said that it was wasteful and I said it was convenient for the plot. Yeah. <laughs> So she feels a familiar sense of dread, but she has a sense of purpose. She's not the unwanted cyborg girl anymore. She is in control. She's free. She doesn't belong to Audrey. She's here. She's on a mission. And that's it. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, she's like very much. She has grown up a lot. She has. In a very short time. She has. I agree. And it's yeah. difficult to kind of keep track of all those changes when we're trying to read the books because we spend so much time talking about like what's going on and not necessarily like character development. Cinder's mm-hmm. life has changed drastically in this one month. Like a month ago, her biggest dream was maybe someday being able to get out of New Beijing and get away from Audrey. And now she's responsible for an entire quote planet. Yeah. A revolution, and now she's also taking on the responsibility of Kai. Yeah. Well, she didn't just get out of New Beijing. I mean, she's been on three different continents already. <laughs> like, and she's in outer space. space. <laughs> right? That's crazy. She, she's been to Africa. She's been to France. Yeah. To outer space. And yeah, I mean, that's a lot in a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty huge. So she knocks on the door. She's glamored herself to look like a palace rep. And Audrey answers the door with a bathrobe and no makeup, but it's a new bathrobe. Yes, silk. Fancy. A new silk bathrobe that she may have gotten with her cinder money. I would assume. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though she sold cinder, all of her money still comes from cinder. 
Yeah. It comes from either her selling Cinder for profit mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. her selling information about Cinder for profit. Exactly. So even without Cinder, she's still somehow using her to mm-hmm. get money. Oh, yeah. 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 It's exactly. Just, she can't find any way else to get money, I guess. I guess not. I mean, a job, of course, would just be out of the question. Yeah, absolutely. Even though her daughter is 17 and probably could also get... I had a job when I was 17, but yeah. I'm not the typical case, I guess. I also had a job when I was 17. So. And you know what? Quentin came from a pretty wealthy family, and he also had a job at 17, so... Yeah, yeah. We just we got jobs around that age just, you know, for something to do and for extra money for us, you know? Right. Yeah. Lindsay, my sister Lindsay had it. Okay. She had a job at the Hardee's I was managing, but she did have a job. Okay. <laughs> she was good at it. She worked very hard. Yeah. I don't want people to think that like Lindsay only got hired because of me. Like, Well, okay. <laughs> no, but also like every job that I've ever had, I've gotten hired because I knew someone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every job I've ever had. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only job I knew a, someone at was Berkshire. Everywhere else, it was just I applied and got hired. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, um, my, I got my job at Hardee's entirely by accident. I worked at McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the manager came through the drive-thru and saw how fast I was and offered me a quarter more to go to Hardee's. Mm-hmm. Not a quarter more. I think it was a dime more, which was a lot back then, okay? It was. Yeah. It's still a lot now, actually. If you mathematically add up a dime an hour for an entire year, that's a lot. Yeah. What's 40 times 52? God, I don't know. What's 4 times 5 is 2,200. It's about $200 a year. Yeah, that's about $200 a year. Pre-tax. <laughs> Pre-tax, which, again, you know, that's sure. that's a lot of money. Right now, that would cover my phone bill. Yeah. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. I, I and I guess too, I did misspeak. My very first job I ever had, I did not actually know the management or really know anybody that worked there. So there was there was one job that I've gotten that wasn't because I knew somebody. I'm come, looking back on my career. I don't know how I got any jobs. I, my very first job, I was a waitress. They had a help wanted sign and I asked and they hired me and I was like 12 with no experience. Yeah. Detasseling, they take pretty much anybody they can get because it's yeah. not a fun job. Mm-hmm. McDonald's, again, they take anybody. Hardee's, I got the position offered. Ruby Tuesdays, Ruby Tuesdays, I knew they were hiring and I went for an interview and the night that they had my interview, like four people had called in sick and they had gotten smashed with people. And I ended up like helping wait tables and <laughs> run orders and stuff. And by the end of the night, she paid me for my work that night and told me to come in the next day. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> teaching preschool, I applied, did three interviews and then got hired. And then Berkshire was the only place I knew somebody. Like I knew a lot of people who worked there before I got hired there. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean I got the job because a lot of people knew each other there and did not get hired. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like siblings. That yeah. Uh, Reagan got hired and Megan didn't. Yeah. That was always odd to me. I remember thinking I didn't get hired. Yeah. I had my first interview with Sarah. My second interview was with Sarah Leslie... 
Lori and Teresa. Yeah. And Teresa and I ended up just talking about being military spouses like the whole time. And oh, that was, was it. your husband military? Oh, yeah. They were Air Force for 19 years. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. So um, I thought, and then I didn't hear anything for three and a half weeks. It's so slow. Yeah. So I thought for sure I didn't get hired. And this was also over Christmas. So yeah. um, like HR was like on vacation, basically. Right. Yeah. And I remember I got the phone call and I had like pretty much given up on it at that point. Right. So I wasn't, ex- I really, I genuinely was not expecting it. I told Quentin and he was like, oh, I just assumed they'd moved on. I was like, right? Yeah. <laughs> my my second interview was like December 1st. And I think by the time they called me, it was well after Christmas. So, yeah. and then here, working here, I got the job at the bookstore entirely by accident. I go there a lot. So I knew the manager. I knew the owner. Um, and one day I was talking to them and they were talking about trying to find good help. And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't know you were looking and they were like, why are you interested? And I was like, duh, (laughs) are you kidding? And so that even like pretty much every job I've ever had, I guess. Yeah. I don't think it's so weird to try and like track your resume sometimes, you know, cause it's like, how did I get hired there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But this isn't about a resume. Sorry. (laughs) No how we got on that topic. Oh my goodness. Okay. So yes. So Cinder is handing over these napkins that she has faked to look like invitations. And yeah, she said that she came there to get personal to to personally deliver these wedding invitations. Yes. Yeah. I do like the part where it says she feels a detached coldness to Audrey. Yeah. It was just another, it was just another task to cross off her list. Yes. Well, I don't know. Going on in this chapter, I'm not sure how detached she really is. Yeah, from, she gets pretty dark. So yeah. she says, turns out they got their invitations last week. And Audrey's like, we'll come in. I'll get the invitations. We'll take a look at them. I'm sorry for the heat. I used to have a servant. Mm-hmm. But she's gone now. And Cinder in her brain is like, uh, a servant, servant girl? Yes. Really? Cinder bristled, which I just love that word. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On the mantelpiece is a peony urn. Yeah. Covered in peony flowers. <sighs> yeah. Cinder can't help herself. She kind of subconsciously walks toward the urn with her hand outstretched. Mm-hmm. And she realizes she missed the funeral. She wasn't there to say goodbye to peony, to give her condolences, to grieve and say goodbye to her sister. The funeral had come and gone, and Cinder had not been there. It's heartbreaking. It's kind of strange to say, I guess, but funerals are important. Quentin's grandmother died a year ago, and we didn't get to go to the funeral. Mm -hmm. And I often forget that she died. I will sometimes mention it, and he has too. Yeah. Perhaps because we just didn't have that moment of closure. Right. Because that's what a funeral is. Funerals are for people who are alive, not people who've already died. They, yeah, they are. And yeah, and with the world being now what it is, it, and people aren't able to have that. No. I don't know that I realized either how hard that is until I was actually at the memorial that we did have for my aunt and my cousin, because it was 
you know, six months after they had died, when like, you know, things were kind of at a low, cases were a bit lower, right? You know, um, for like a minute <laughs> before they spiked right. up again. And, you know, I know what we were going for, but we get there and it just felt so odd that my cousin wasn't there. Yeah. And it was her funeral, you know, like, but she was the one that was always in charge of those things, like not in charge, but she was, I don't know. She just had such a presence. She was very special and just, it was so weird, you know, and I feel like if it had been quicker, it wouldn't have been so easy to forget about why we were all there. And the weird feeling of it would have been different, I guess. I don't know how to even explain it, but it's very, um, surreal. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. And poor, poor Cinder didn't even get to be a part of it. And Audrey notices this strange woman that she doesn't know. Cause remember in Audrey's perspective, this is just a palace official. And so right. she says that that was her daughter. She was 14 and she died of letimosis. Right. And luckily Cinder's instinct maintained her glamour because she wasn't thinking about it anymore. She was focused on peony. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> There's no time for mourning. She has a wedding to stop. And Audrey says, do you have children? And Cinder's like, uh, no. Because she doesn't know if the palace official that she's pretending to be may or may not have children. So right. she's like, um, better just say no. Yeah, yeah. And Audrey says, I have one other daughter, 17 years old. It was not very long ago that all I could think of was finding her a nice, wealthy husband. Emphasis on the word wealthy, in my opinion. Yeah, gross. Daughters are expensive, you know, and a mother wants to give them everything. Gross. But now, I can't stand the thought of her leaving me too. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. Okay. But can I just say how disgusted I am that this is hundreds of years in the future and we are still treating daughters like property. If it were a son, would she be trying to get him a good education and a job? No. <sighs> like that's my thing. If yeah. she had a 17 year old son, would she be trying to get him a wealthy wife or would she be focusing on trying to get him a good education and a good career? Exactly. Yeah. That's an important distinction to make. How would Audrey act if this were a 17 year old son named Paul instead of a 17 year old daughter named Pearl? Right. Mm. Uh, anyway. So he brings out the invitations. It's a rare moment of compassion from Audrey here. But again, it's still only for her daughter. Right. Cinder says, oh, these are different invitations. They must have gotten mixed up. And she shows them to Audrey. She says, see for yourselves. And she proves it. Mm -hmm. Audrey handles the invitations like they are precious. Yeah. And Cinder realizes this is the last time she could see Audrey. Yeah. And she can't help herself. She asks, weren't you the guardian of Lynn Cinder? She grew up here as your family, as your daughter, right? No. Audrey says she was ungrateful and always thought she was better and self-important and that she soiled their last name. She did all she could to help Cinder, but she was unredeemable. It, this is just, I hate her so much. 
It's, you know, even with it being like a stepdaughter, like I can't imagine another living creature living in my home for five years and having this kind of distaste for them. Yeah. Audrey just is despicable, but also, you know, it, it says, Cinder says like she wanted Audrey to be sorry for how she had treated Cinder like a piece of property. Yes. And it just hit me, though, that, like, a page ago, she was basically talking about Pearl like she's property, too. Yeah, she's cost money, and she needs to find a wealthy husband to take care of her. Yeah, it's not even just, like, even the daughter that she... Loves. Has a creepy codependent relationship with and doesn't want her to leave her even though she has a creepy codependent relationship with well I mean she says like she can't well what did it say um I can't stand the thought of her leaving me too yeah everything's about Audrey yeah and the only reason she wants to get her married is because she costs money right even that's not about Pearl Everything's money and property and disgusting. That's a good point. Everything to everything has the same meaning to Audrey. Yeah. It's hard and, to like Audrey, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And Cinder just right? glamours Audrey into This is a really disturbing scene. It really is. She glamours Audrey and forces her to feel guilt, shame, and remorse. So much so that Audrey gasps and stumbles from how overwhelmed she is by these emotions that uh, Cinder is using her gift to enforce into Audrey to feel. Yeah. Cinder says, but didn't you ever wonder how hard it must have been? Didn't you ever feel guilty over the way she was treated? Didn't you ever think that maybe she could, that maybe you could have loved her? If only you'd taken the time to talk to her, to understand her. Mm -hmm. And after all of that, Audrey is like, well, yeah, maybe, but she was abnormal. Basically, like, like, if only she had been normal. That's what she says. Perhaps she could have belonged here. You understand if only she had been normal. So, so even, even in this emotionally forced induced state, Audrey can't let up. No, she's awful. She's absolutely horrible. And it always comes back to that. It always comes back to Cinder being cyborg. Yeah. So Cinder releases Audrey And she says, she realizes Audrey's always going to blame her. It's never going to change because as far as she's concerned, Cinder ruined her family. Cinder takes her invitation. She heads out. Her her head is killing her. She's getting a massive headache. And as soon as the elevator closes, it has a mirror on one side and she loses her glamour immediately because she's horrified with the image of herself. Yeah. Because what she'd done to Audrey, twisting her emotions against her, forcing her to feel guilt and shame for no other reason than Cinder's own terrible curiosity, her own burning desire for retaliation, 
It was something Levana would have done. Yeah. And that is the end of chapter 44. That was a short chapter, but dang, that was heavy stuff. Right? So stressful. Yeah. So let's talk about your song choice for this week. Okay. I've got two, and I think you had one. Yes. What was it? (laughs) Sorry. It was Perfect by Simple Plan. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So this song, um, first of all, Simple Plan, their very first concert. Talk about homesickness, right? Like nostalgia factor. (laughs) (laughs) Simple Plan. (laughs) Okay. College was when they first came out and their very first concert in the U.S. was at my school. I want to say it was my freshman year. I was so stupid. Are they not a U.S. band? They're Canadian. I did not know that. Okay. I think. I'm pretty okay. sure. Anyway, that's what I was told. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so this, <laughs> this song is basically like, no matter how hard you try to be perfect, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's not good enough. And... Like, that's basically what Audrey is telling Cinder, like, sorry, you know, you just, you're abnormal. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. And she's finally, like, kind of accepting that. So. Oh, so it's so difficult to even think about that kind of stuff, I think. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Poor thing. Yeah. What were yours? So we have one from Patreon member Hannah, who recommended the song Trouble by Cage the Elephant. And then I have two. I chose Something's Gotta Give by Camila Cabello mm-hmm. with lyrics, Something's Gotta Give, Something's Gotta Break, All I Do Is Give and All You Do Is Take. Nice. Something's Gotta Give, But I Know That It Won't. There's No Reason to Stay, But I Have a Good Reason to Go. Yeah. And then the other one I chose is Mad Woman by Taylor Swift, which is a song about the actions of other people driving you to a state of madness. Okay. What did you think I'd say to that? Does a scorpion sting when fighting back? They strike to kill and you know I will. Every time you call me crazy, I get more crazy. And when you say I seem angry, I get more angry. But there's nothing like a mad woman. Dang. And so I thought of that, too, because these scenes from Cinder, <laughs> this is not Cinder. Yeah. Cinder is, is she's a little rough around the edges because she's had to be, but she's not cruel. She's not vindictive. She's not mean. This is, this. she feels driven to this by how Audrey acts. And I'm not saying that this is Audrey's fault. I don't like the concept of victim blaming. We are responsible for our own actions. That being said, Cinder has been driven to this state by Mm -hmm. just an overwhelming emotion of everything that has happened in the last month. And on top of that, she walks into her old home and sees that Peony is no longer there. Mm -hmm. Pearl is still held on a pedestal. And Audrey is still blaming everything on Cinder, even though she's not there anymore. Dang. What was your quote for this week? I don't have a page number for you because I'm on my Kindle. And I think my numbers are different than yours. I think, uh, I think you're right about that for Kindles. Yeah. Um, but it is 
A familiar dread settled over her as she crossed the small lobby, a feeling that had once seemed normal. Uh, It just really struck me the way, like, the familiar dread that, that, like, you don't even realize how you had been feeling until you're away from it for a minute and then feel it again. Mm Mm-hmm. Very good point. So I chose page 397. She was free. She was in control. She didn't belong to Audrey anymore. Nice. I like the idea that Cinder is starting to come into her own as a, as a, as a character for us, but like as a person, she's realizing that she's free. She is the one in control of her own destiny to a certain extent, right? Like she's responsible for this quote, planet and revolution and all its people and stuff. But that is a destiny that was given to her. But it's also a destiny that she chose to follow when she's with the information of being a princess and everything that it entails. And, you know, she's not Audrey's cyborg servant anymore. She's not Audrey's unwanted stepdaughter ward who's never been good enough. She is her own person. And she's walking into this apartment, a free woman, And she's going to leave this apartment a free woman. And Audrey no longer has any control over who she is or what she does. Yes. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. So, chapter 45. It's our first chapter in Aiko's perspective. Yes. One of the many reasons I wanted you for this specific chapter. <gasps> Aiko has a body. I love her. How do you feel about her? Your favorite character? She has a body. She's not a ginormous ship anymore. She's a lady. She is like walking around. She has five fingers on each hand. (laughs) I know. And in the last chapter, she was like obsessed with wiggling her toes and staring at her feet. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, it's amazing. I just. It's wonderful, isn't it? I love it so much. I, I definitely, that. I needed you for these chapters. Really <laughs> good. Oh, geez. And I love, like, in the previous chapter, um, when she gets her, you know, escort body. Yes. And Chris, like, hates her. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not <laughs> with, like, you know, women not supporting women, like, like the the hatred that Cress has towards this escort body is very much slut shaming as far as I'm concerned, and I don't like it, but I understand it, and it's funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
So we're an Aiko's perspective. She blows a kiss to her friends and waves with all of her five fingers. Yeah. Um, it's about 7.25 in the morning. She has to be at the palace by 9.50. She's in this deserted neighborhood because everyone in this city is treating the wedding kind of like a holiday. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a royal wedding. It's a big deal. You know? Yeah, we don't really get that kind of stuff here in the States. No, but I mean, even when like Britain has a real big, you know, royal wedding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Diana and Charles, that was a big deal. It was televised here, you know. And then, of course, I remember Kate and Will and Pippa with her nice figure in that dress. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a thing. So. so- Speaks to this warehouse. She's really sad because she can't wear a fancy gown and she can't wait for Kai to see her new body. Oh, she really wants to wear a gown. I really love being an Aiko's perspective. Everything is upbeat and bright and optimistic. And yeah. I I am a, a bright and optimistic type of person. So this is the type of mindset I need <laughs> at all times. It's so lovely. It's just refreshing and just, you know, to just have just this portion of a chapter that is just light and fun and happy and glittery and just like needed. talk about After what we just went through with Cinder. It's needed yes. to have this chapter. It's so needed to have I this I want chapter. to focus on androids with their hair pulled back and orchids in their buns. Like, right? Just give me that. That's fine. This is such like a simple chapter. Pretty much yeah, what happens, Iko finds a way to sneak into the ball. But it's so much fun. Yes. So Iko's at this warehouse. It's filled with escort droids. Most of them are girls, but there's a couple boys. Mm-hmm. They're all unclothed and sitting on the ground. Some of them are still in packaging. There's over 200 on the ground. There's shelves filled with crates of them. Um, and 60 of them are dressed in black pants and blush shirts. The girls all have their hair in buns. Um, and this is what's going to the palace. This, these are the escort droids that Priya convinced Kai to hire as the wait staff for the wedding. Yeah. I love it. I love it. There's 60 of them all together. Yeah. Uh, the order was for petites, not mediums. I already have issues here, okay? Well, okay, yes, but, okay, so with that, they were talking about a specific one. What I interpreted that as was that all 60 of these are different, and that just this specific one was a petite number 618, so I don't know that they're all necessarily the petite model. Well, I have issues with this. Yeah. One, Priya wanted them to look average and normal and blend in. Not yeah. everybody is petite. There should be at least a couple mediums thrown in there just for variety, right? No, right. But what I'm what I'm saying is that I don't think they're all model six eighteen size petite. I think that there was a specific order for these sixty specific. Oh, like a like a certain amount from each one. Every single one of these is different. Yes. None of the yeah, none of these they're cabbage patch kids. None of them are the same. Scamp agrees with you because he just screamed really loudly if anybody heard that. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt <laughs> and say that of these sixty 
escort droids. They are of varying sizes. This one happened to be out of stock in in petite, so they received a medium. But perhaps model, you know, 123 was ordered as an extra large. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm going with that because that's what I choose to believe. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So the woman turns on the androids. She loads them into delivery ships. Aiko realizes there's no way they're not going to notice her. And she's terrified that they might mistake her for a rogue android and send her out for reprogramming. Yes. And the thought of it makes her wiring quiver. I love that. Oh, Aiko is such a human, you guys. I swear. Yeah. I I like that she writes her. Not just as an android with human tendencies. Like, this is a human. This is Maybe a human trapped in an android body. She is a human trapped in an android body. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So she sneaks into the delivery truck. She turns on one of the androids mm-hmm. and she tells her to scream yes. and run out. <laughs> okay. But also, as she's sneaking in there, she oh. is coming to herself. She's coming to yourself as you're doing something nefarious. Like, right? Like humming while you're working and stuff. Absolutely. Yes. She tries to <laughs> she tries to flirt with a Kai lookalike <laughs> and yes. it doesn't respond. So she's like, <laughs> or not. <laughs> oh, poor Iko. Sorry, sorry, don't mind me coming through. Oh, why, hello there. (laughs) And he doesn't do anything. She goes, so she goes, or not. Yes. (laughs) I just love that. I love Aiko so much. It's Um, so great. Aiko is now hidden with all these under androids. As it turned out, being human was every bit as much fun as she'd always thought it would be. Okay, I want to be a kind of human like she is because I actually don't think that a lot of it's fun. <laughs> right? <But okay. laughs> I just love it so much. Oh, uh, so we switch to Cinder's perspective. They're headed to New Beijing Government Safe House. They're about 10 miles from the city, which is separated by cliffs, and it looks like an abandoned house. Um, so this is a really great way to have a safe house, right? It's right on the other side of the city, but Mm -hmm. it's behind these cliffs. It's abandoned and looks forlorn. So when you like, you know, go past it, it blends in Mm kind of like how muggles aren't supposed to be able to see Hogwarts. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. They would just see some ruins, right? Exactly. With a sign that said, keep out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It smells like wildflowers. Oh, yes. It's well-maintained. A crew probably checks it every year to keep it ready in case of a catastrophe. Yeah. Well, I would say probably more often, but yeah. I would say probably every other month or so. Yeah, for sure. I at least quarterly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she knows that it's monitored too, but she's hoping today everybody's going to be busy with the wedding and they won't notice her and Jacin and Thorne and the doctor mm-hmm. sneaking in. So it makes me wonder where Cress and Wolf are. Oh, right. Because it doesn't say. Oh, yeah. We don't know yet. Nope. 
So I guess we'll find out next week. Everybody better better come back next week if you want to know what Crescent and Wolf are up to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the cellar doors to the tunnels run beneath the cliffs to palace sublevels. Um, Thorne is resting on Dr. Erlon's shoulder. Um, it's a long walk. And they have to, she tells Jacin, be at the landing pad, at the palace landing pad by 1800, which is 6 p.m., uh-huh. And she's like, and do this, I know. And do this, yeah. I know. And do this. And Thorne is like, Cinder, he knows. Yeah, they had discussed the matter into the ground. Yes, and now it's time to go. So that's a really yes. quick moment with Cinder. It's time to go. Very quick. Fine, let's go. Yep, that's it. That was a really quick chapter. The first one definitely had a lot more to discuss. Yeah. Uh, which is why I kind of tossed this chapter in there, too. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, definitely, definitely a much faster chapter, which means next week, hopefully we have some really great chapters, right? Wink, wink. Uh, I think you might. I think I may have accidentally listened ahead on my audiobook. And, uh, <laughs> I think things are going to get really good. They are, because while. we have a surprise, very special guest. So, Ooh. So what was your chapter title for this one? Yeah, what was it? It was a Lizzo song. What's it called? Juice. Juice, yeah. Which, by the way, Quentin absolutely, Quentin adores Lizzo. Okay, Um, me too. I do too, and I have to say, there's nothing more entertaining to me than Quentin singing Good As Hell. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I actually, I have met Quentin many times. I can picture that just fine. I'm very entertained by that thought, actually. Um, I love it. Um, No, you can't have, and I, you know, obviously I based it off of the Ico half of this very short chapter, but you can't have Ico flirting with a Kai lookalike sneaking onto a ship and waving with all five of her fingers and not think like about Lizzo. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So mine was fabulous by Allie Brooke. Also for Iko's part, I woke up feeling fabulous. Don't wait on me. I'm fabulous. I Love that song so much. It's definitely on my, like, I have a a a playlist. Okay, I have, like, 50 playlists. But I have a playlist of songs that are, like, self-love type of songs. (laughs) I I love it. I love this song. It starts out with, like, man, I'm gorgeous and I'm worth it. (laughs) But it's, I woke up feeling fabulous. Don't wait on me. I'm fabulous. I woke up feeling fabulous. And then in the background, she's got, hey, sister, go, sister, oh, sister, whoa, sister. Which is actually a different oh, song, but yeah. she's pulled it. Um, but yeah, it's just one of my favorite songs. And as soon as Aiko's like walking around in her new body, all I could think of was I woke up feeling fabulous. Nice. Yeah. So I've had this song picked for Aiko's chapters for quite a few months now. Like as soon as I heard this song, which I think was back in like July, I was like, oh, that would be perfect for Aiko. Because I knew that she was getting her body back. I get Easter eggs. (laughs) I get spoilers. (laughs) So what was your quote for chapter 45? My quote was, the idea that they can mistake her for a rogue android and send her out for reprogramming made her wiring quiver. Love that quote. Love it. I know the wiring quiver. I mean, come on. 
so great. It's the best. So great. Absolutely love it. Um, my quote was also from Aiko. As it turned out, being human was every bit as fun as she'd always thought it would be. Okay, and that is the other part that I highlighted. But I was like, no, because actually I disagree. <laughs> I can't choose that because I don't relate to it. Sorry. <laughs> I love that moment from Aiko's perspective. I love though. it for Aiko. I love that she's so happy. And that is why I highlighted it. But I was right. like, I just can't pick it as my favorite because <laughs> I think she's wrong. <laughs> You'd rather be an android? I mean, no. No. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> the human's not all it's cracked up to be sometimes. No. Yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> so this week there was one Easter egg. The bonus word hair showed up seven times. Next week, we're going to cover chapters 46 and 47 with very special guest author Annie Sullivan. Follow on Instagram, rate, review, and subscribe. Please check out Patreon. Don't forget to fill out the listener survey. And before I forget, because I forgot to mention at the beginning, don't forget about the secret listener giveaway. There is a secret listener giveaway that I am doing. All of my giveaways so far have been on social media and the podcast. I am doing one just for the podcast. Mm. If you listen to an episode, you'll know about it. But if you only follow social media, you won't know about it. So the giveaway is going to be a paperback copy of the new cover of Cinder, complete with Easter eggs, gloves, quotes, and all of that underlined and song titles for each chapter and uh stickers and bookmarks just like prince kai fan pod exclusive stickers and bookmarks and to enter just email prince kai fan pod at gmail.com and say that you listen to the episode and you want to put your name in for the listener giveaway nice yeah you know all of these like yeah. giveaways on instagram are great but that helps me get followers awesome. that might not necessarily be people listening I want to get back to people who are actually listening. Nice. Very so cool. The lake is just a listener giveaway. If you don't listen, you won't know about it. <laughs> right? Yes. Thank you so much for being here. I miss you so much. I love getting to talk to you. Do you want to say anything to all the listeners before you sign off? Gosh. Um, you know, it's it's 2021. The world is even crazier than it used to be last year and I have nothing to say other than hang in there guys it might get better we are hopeful yeah <laughs> I've seen a lot of memes about like wow one weekend and I'm already ready for 2022 yeah or like I've, I've had the the seven day free trial and I would like to cancel like, the I'm <laughs> yeah I saw that one a lot. Yes. And then I saw another one that was like December 37th. Yes. Um, <laughs> like basically 2020 is just going to keep going. I mean, yeah, it felt like it would never end anyway. So it just isn't. Yeah. It's been crazy. And people listening to this, this will come out January 25th. So maybe things will be better by then. Golly, I hope. Well, hey, I mean, they really, if nothing else, after the 20th, at least here in the United States, things will be different. For better or worse, things will be different. That's very true. For better or worse, they will be different. Yes. I'm hoping for better. As am I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So thank you very much for being here. I'm so happy to talk to you. I hope you get to come back soon. Yes. Listeners, keep reading, keep listening. And until next time, don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today were from Cress by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Becca Baker. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.